Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We are back for another episode this week. I have my co-host with me, Anthony, and we are also joined by Aldo Gandia from the Barroom Network. Look, Aldo, it's great to have you on. We've kind of known each other for a couple of years now, so it's great to have you on our show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm really honored uh, to be a part of the show. You guys do a great job, very well produced, great football conversation. I'm glad that uh, you're you're sharing Bears news with uh, people all around the world. Uh, we need more of that. We need to, uh, you know, all be arms arm in arm in our fight to try to get this team back to the Super Bowl. And I really do believe that Bears management listens to fans. Uh, they're not going to do everything we say, but if we make a <laughs> lot of noise, I really do believe that one of the reasons John Fox didn't fulfill the last year of his contract was because the fans were very vocal about uh, his leadership or lack of leadership in some cases. And uh, and besides the noise, not showing up to games was also a, a great uh, uh, message to Bears management. The question is, is whether Matt Nagy is the right guy to succeed. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about that and a lot of other cool things. Again, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of going back to the John Fox thing. I always remember that year because I know you yourself were very vocal that year. I remember you walking down to the ESPN <laughs> 1000 studio with your, was it one of the guys had like a boombox or something with him? And you were. We had a Firefox sign and, and trying to was trying to get a, a campaign going and went to one of the games and interviewed a bunch of people and stuff. So we we made a lot of noise about it and and again I think that's the role of the fan. I I, I truly believe that we're unlike the Green Bay Packers. You know they 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 like to brag about uh, the fans like to brag that they're shareholders, but well, we're shareholders too. We buy the merchandise. I've got the thousands of dollars worth of bears merchandise. And I think that, you know, uh, and, and it's nice that George McCaskey reads a lot of the email that he gets. And, and a lot of times there's interaction between fans and management. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's our role also just to, in as civil a way as possible is let management know, you know, what we think. Yeah, it's really, really important because having that dialogue between the fan base and the ownership or even just the club is, is really, really important because because we constantly see with some teams and some organizations that the ownership are completely clueless to what's actually going on in the fan base. Mm -hmm. And it was just, a, look, I think the one part of where the Bears looked like they were a little bit clueless this offseason was that whole QB1 um, post that they put out because everybody was so angry about what was going on. We've mentioned it a couple of times. This offseason has been insane. It was like back in March, everybody was bringing their pitchforks up to Hollis Hall and they were like, I'm done with this. You saw all the hate that Andy Dalton got. And then on draft night, a complete 180. We said for, I'd say, a good three or four weeks before on every single show we had, we were like constantly saying, you need to go up and get Justin Fields. We put out so many like pictures of fields with bear stuff. And then it happened to, we were going insane on the stream. I know you guys were also doing your own live stream during that time. What was the reaction to some of you guys? Cause I know we, we spoken to Neil previously and what he thought of um, Justin Fields. And I listened to your episode as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, it was a surreal feeling here, I think. Yeah. 
Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, one of the cool projects that we did this past year with the Barroom Network is we had the show Draft on Tap, where Neil Stopchinski was a guest on, on your show here. And uh, so we kind of played out this scenario where Neil and Danny, who have done uh, professional scouting uh, on various levels, all uh, the months leading up to the draft, they scouted players who might fit the Chicago Bears. And, and then I played the role of Ryan Pace, and we did kind of a mock draft and had some fun with it and so forth. But one of the things that uh, came out, particularly from Danny Shimon, is he was like, we got to get uh, a, a top five, one of these top five quarterbacks. And I agree with those guys. Any one of those five quarterbacks I think is going to have a solid NFL career. I really do think this was a strong first-round draft for quarterbacks. Um, but uh, Danny was uh, so high on Justin Fields. He really thought he was the second-best quarterback in this draft. Uh, Neil liked Zach uh, Wilson as a second quarterback, but uh, the 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 uh, reaction to what the Bears did in terms of moving up and acquiring Justin Fields, I personally was just shocked. You know, we come to expect that uh, Ryan Pace is perhaps not the the smartest wheeler dealer when <laughs> draft day transactions, and so. Uh, when that whole scenario, it was surreal is the perfect way of putting it. I mean, he's dropping, he's available. There have been 10 picks. I've, I figured, I made a prediction once that the top five quarterbacks would be gone by the uh, after the, the 10th pick, but there were two quarterbacks left, and both of them were guys that I personally liked a lot. This was really, really wild, and uh and it's been such a great shot of adrenaline for us Bears fans. I mean, my goodness, the, the reaction from you you guys uh, overseas to everyone here that's a, a Bears fan in North America, it's just been fantastic. And it's great to have that excitement level again. And uh, uh, prayers for Justin Fields that he has a long, healthy, and productive career with the Bears. Yeah, it was, interesting, it was interesting you said that. I'm sorry, Karen. It was interesting yeah, go ahead. because – we were a little bit different on, on, on Mac Jones versus Justin Fields. I'll be completely honest. If you go back to my live, the live show we did, the first thing that came to my head was, okay, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're trading up. We've got number 11. Oh, my God, it must be Fields. It must be Fields. And both Kieran and myself, there was six people on the show. Myself and Kieran were looking at each other on, on the thing going, it's got to be Fields. And suddenly I went, he's going to go Mac Jones. Actually, <laughs> go Mac Jones. And the pure panic that went into what one of our hosts was like, don't worry, lads, it's going to be Fields. And I was like, if he picks Mac Jones, I'm getting on a plane, COVID or no COVID, I'm getting on a plane. <laughs> and it was just panic. And then you started thinking, because it was exactly what you said about Pace. Oh, so he's probably going to go like a cornerback or something. He's going to draft up to 11. He's not even going to go QB at all. He's probably going to go like running back or something or kicker or something. It was just, and, and again, to watch, as Karen said, the absolute flip 180, because as soon as Justin Fields was announced, I was given Pace a lifetime contract. I was like, give him a long time deal. <laughs> absolutely no problem at all. It just goes to show, and you said at the very start, it's really interesting, it's about the Bears, the importance of which the fan base is involved with his franchise. And it's what really connects me personally, being a Bears fan since the 80s, it connects me to the, to the franchise, to the club, because it just feels like you're, you kind of paid your dues, you paid your dues, you, you watched some terrible quarterbacks, you watch some terrible plays, and now suddenly we have the guy. We have potentially, appreciate that, we potentially have the guy. And it's just so exciting. It's just so exciting. Anthony, I'm just curious, what was it about Mac Jones that kind of turned you off about potentially him being a bear? I think the thing, I think it was 
maybe it wasn't about Mac Jones, but it was more that Justin Fields was there. We didn't get him. Um, I think Mac Jones, Mac Jones would have done a good job at Chicago, but I just have this opinion that Fields is just that step above. And I just see, I just see Mac Jones as someone, look, I actually think he'll do really well at the Patriots. He fits the Patriots and he fits um, Belichick. In fact, on the show, I was saying, Jesus, somebody else trade up and not give Bill Belichick Mac Jones without having moved from 15. Mm -hmm. as well, but it was just something about him. I just didn't think he fits with Chicago. Also, Justin Fields just gives it electricity, and it's the boom, and it's the factor. And and look, no one to know it's it's a it's a rookie quarterback coming in, but just everything we would have seen. So over in, over in Ireland here, we we would have seen the, the program, the the QB one program that he would have done uh, when he was in, in school. We'd have all seen that. So we we kind of like, and Karen, to be fair, was promoting Justin Fields as part of the show, like. It, I, I'm a Daz Newsome fanboy, but Karen is the biggest Justin Fields fanboy. And it yes. just goes to show what we, we could have seen what was coming from him. And yeah. to, to be left dis, disappointed, um, I think would have been would have been what would have happened. And I would have actually felt sorry for Mac Jones if he would have been picked because it would have been the same. He'd have been booed at the Bulls game. He'd have been just <laughs> in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. it, it <laughs> was a crazy thing. one. Like, I think prior to it, like weeks before the draft, anybody that came on, I think. We slowly like convinced them that the right move was to move up and go and get Justin Four. Fields because I was I was just like, it's not it's not like a normal thing that one of your favorite players to watch in college is then drafted by your team and that I think that's one of the really nice things is that you watch Justin Fields and you're like like you and I, I go back to that kind of surreal thing it's like I don't get how he falls because I watched the play on the field and I don't see a guy that falls out of the top ten. And then you hear some of the stories that are kind of coming out about him and they talk about him, his intelligence. They talk about his kind of not progressing. And then you actually go and watch the games. You're like, he does go through his progressions. Okay, he might be a little bit slow in the pocket because he's – And we had a a guy from Ohio State kind of come on and we were asking him all this and he was saying that, well, it's because he wants to get the big play all the time. And that's he's and he's that kind of big play hunter. And I, I didn't understand it at the time. And I heard like everybody was saying that he's probably gonna fall because we had Zach Wilson going going up and we've mentioned it on the show that we had the BYU defensive coordinator on the show and they were surprised that he was going so high. So it, it was a very interesting one, but it, it goes back to the point of we see this quite a lot. We saw it with Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago as well, where he mm-hmm. fell and it wasn't really to do with the play on the field. So how surprised were you when you actually started to see it? Because I expected that the kind of sweet spot for when Justin Fields was going to go was anywhere from like seven to nine. And then the minute he goes out of the top 10, I think both myself and Anthony, for everybody, you can go back and look at the stream because it was very, very funny. We're like what is Ryan Pace doing? Trade up now. <laughs> like, I think everybody was at the same point. As once it got past, past Detroit, I think everybody was saying, trade up, trade up. Mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting how everything just played out to where the Bears went up. And I think everybody is kind of in unison about the whole deal. And even what they gave up was actually a really fair trade. And I've said that before. I think the trade was really fair, both for the Bears' point of view and the New York Giants' point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It was a fair trade. And those are the best trades to make. Um, but to answer your question, you know, I, 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 there was something really strange going on prior to the draft with the hits 
that Justin Fields was was taking on his character. You know, it started with Dan Orlovsky reporting <laughs> that he was the first player out of practice, the last player in. And then the release of private information regarding his health issues, the epilepsy that he's had, epilepsy attacks that he's had since he was seven, that was made public and it should never have been. And so he was the victim of something really strange going on. Perhaps it was all one source, maybe a player agent who wanted to see his player rise uh, or a group of agents or some media members or something, something was going on which was really i hope some enterprising reporter gets to the bottom of that because what happened there was just grossly unfair it could have been racially motivated who knows what it was i'm only speculating but it was not fair to this young man let's remember a year ago he it was between him and trevor lawrence to see who would be drafted number one it was almost like uh, 51 49 51 saying trevor 49 saying justin fields and what did he do to it with his play on the football field that uh warranted him dropping like he did in this draft zero he did zero if anything he proved that he is uh worthy of being the first overall pick now trevor lawrence is also worthy of the number one overall pick he's he's uh he looks like a, a peyton manning type he's gonna have a great career but hell who won the national championship who uh, came back and played outstanding football when he took a hit to the ribs that looked like he was going to be out for the game who just performed over and over again to, at such a high degree who was it that when told that Big Ten was going to cancel uh, their football season, who took the leadership and went out and said, we need to be playing. We feel safer out on the football field than we do hanging around campus and, and going to parties and stuff. He took a leadership role off the field, on the field. He did everything that warranted him being a top two, top three draft pick. What happened to him? I don't know. So, yeah, I was shocked about that whole thing. And I, I'm just, you know, everyone talks about how angry he looked on draft night. You know, you know why he was angry. He was pissed off because of what, how he was treated and how he, uh, his draft value went down. And we are going to benefit from that, from his play on the football field. I really strongly believe that. And I'm t- not talking as a fan. I'm talking as trying to be a, an objective analyst here. I really do believe that he's going to use that as fuel to be the, one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree well. with that, actually. Yeah, go ahead, Anthony. Sorry, Karen, the other thing as well is it costs money. It cost the kid money. Once he dropped out of the top 10, it cost him money. And it cost him money for the next five years. And I think what you said really interesting, Aldo, on that is that he was the guy that went forward to get the games going ahead. And I think that might have cost him. Because I think that might have angered some people. I think people might have been angered by the fact that now I have to play because of him. So I'm going to go out of my way to make sure this guy regrets that. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I am delighted. It is brilliant. Come, come, Justin. We look after you. Come over here. No problem. But I think there's a lot of interesting points you make. But that was the one that stands out the most. That usually people remember stuff you do that forces people into making decisions themselves. I think Justin Fields from a Chicago Bears fan, that's the most important part for us, is the leadership roles he's now going to go. I just think that's an interesting point you made about what, he, what, he, what he's going to be and what he could become. It's so mm. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, one of your your good friends, uh, Alo, in the chat. We have Ryan coming in. Look, Ron was on one of our shows in our Fan Zone show a couple of weeks ago. 
it was great getting you on again we'll definitely have ryan on again but yeah i, I think that was one of the biggest things that i was surprised oh, i'm kind of hearing myself in the background can you got that i don't hear it uh i just hear like a slight echo background noise yeah that's that's okay but look i think the the interesting one was you mentioned it there anthony about him kind of going into the big 10 and kind of getting them to start playing the games again and the one thing you would think that that would actually increase the value because it's shown leadership and that's what you look for in a young quarterback and it's it's really really interesting look Aldo, you mentioned it yourself when you were kind of talking about trevor lawrence and justin fields you just have to go back to the clemson game this this season scoring six touchdowns and you can go to each one of those touchdowns and it shows a different strength that Justin Fields has. So, like, for example, in his first one, he goes through his three progressions before he gives the ball to the tight end Farrell. Then you start to see he moves the pocket very similarly to what we saw Nagy want to do with Mitch, where he goes out to the left or goes out to the right and got kind of two touchdowns there. But the third touchdown was the interesting one mm-hmm. because it was the one where he got injured on the play before. And then the next play comes out and throws it down to Chris Alave. Mm-hmm. And you see with every single pass after that, that he's kind of in pain, but fights through and still scores four touchdowns after he got injured. It just goes to show that kind of both mental and physical toughness that being frank, we didn't see that with Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear Matt Nagy talk about some of the pros of Justin Fields, I go back and kind of think of, well, what was it before? And it, it's just the complete opposite. It's like in his previous press conference this week, he was talking about how Justin Fields is very relaxed. When he makes a mistake, doesn't really matter. He just moves on to the next thing. And that was one thing we didn't get too much with Mitch, that when he made a mistake, it seemed to he would be thinking about it for the next couple of plays. So how impressed were you with some of the kind of traits that Justin Fields had as you kind of – think back after the draft now that it's that kind of high of actually getting them and then actually going back and analyzing just how good a quarterback that the Bears could have on their hands. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I guess the best way to answer that is that now that I look back at some of my in-season, in-college football season uh, uh, quarterback ratings, and I'm a little bit embarrassed that at one point I had Mac Jones ahead of Justin Fields. And and the reason why is that because I just kind of fell in love with Mac Jones' accuracy and uh, his Tom Brady-like play. And uh, But clearly – it's obvious that uh, it, it was, and it became obvious to me after the season and going through the process with uh, Neil Stopchinski and, and Danny Shimon and them showing me tape and, and looking at strengths and weaknesses of quarterbacks. It was clear and obvious that Justin Fields is the much better quarterback. He has all of the skills that you want in today's NFL from a quarterback, the athleticism to uh, tuck the ball under and run, the escapability in the pockets and stay in the pocket, looking downfield. Uh, the progression is an, is a, a bit of an issue, but I don't think it's going to be one that is going to derail this guy's career. Absolutely not. That's just not going to happen. He's got a pinpoint accuracy. He's got all of the leadership traits. He can make the deep throw, something that we haven't seen consistently from a Chicago Bears quarterback 
quarterback since ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just a really impressive resume uh, 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 of all of the skill sets that he has. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing at all that concerns me about this kid as a quarterback. We can we can nitpick the progression as we've talked about, but you're you're going to see a lot of tape on him where he does do the progression. And you said earlier that he tends to hold on to the port of court, uh, the ball because he's looking for that big play. And yeah, that is a trait that guys like Aaron Rodgers have, have had. Russell Wilson have had these elite quarterbacks who know that they are so good and that they can make a play if you just buy them that extra second. Mm. And so that's what he does. He's waiting just for that right time to throw the ball. And so there might have to be some adjustments, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to have an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson type career in the NFL. So no concerns whatsoever. And I know we're going to talk about who should be starting. And I see some people <laughs> in the chat room. So I'll, I'll, I'll save my, the second part of my response for when you take us there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's That's the biggest interesting thing that I kind of spoke about before the draft is you looked at the Bears being so interested in Russell Wilson. And when you look at Justin Fields, what he reminds me of is Russell Wilson back at Wisconsin. Not so much now because I think Russell Wilson now has a bit more of a tendency that very quickly he goes and escapes rather than kind of just staying in the pocket. But when you look at him at Wisconsin, it's very similar to the way Fields likes to play, where he is that dual-track quarterback, but he's looking for his pass first. And when it all breaks down, he has the speed to get out. And you look at Justin Fields, he has the speed. And often when he goes out, he's probably going to have to learn not to do this in the NFL, but he prefers to truck players when he gets out of the pocket. And that's one thing he's going to kind of have to improve on. But look, Anthony, what I wanted to bring us to now was an interesting episode of the 1920 Football Drive documentary kind of came out. I know it's 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 a weird thing that the Bears have out because they started the first episode almost a year ago and they're only on episode four. So <laughs> it's it's something that I think I'd prefer them to do more of because yeah. it gives us more insights. And even just, uh, I don't know about you, look, it's great to be able to kind of see some of the stuff with the draft, but also just kind of seeing kind of what the scouts are doing. Like, because we don't get a lot of insights into that. So the one, the one thing I'm going to kind of, bring up to you first Anthony it's kind of like the I guess the title of the video as well is that Justin Fields was talking about his center because John Filippo was asking him about it and he basically said yeah he got drafted but he got drafted to the wrong to the wrong team so it looks like Justin Fields already is all in on this rivalry with the Packers and look inject that into my veins I absolutely love that he hates the Packers already we want to see more of that but look what was your kind of, I guess, opinion and watching that, because I know you watched it the same day that I did when it came out. So what was your opinion on just that episode four of the documentary? Yeah, first of all, Justin Fields, that's brilliant. That's just brilliant. It's very funny and that's just brilliant. And smart kid, knows knows there's a microphone on him, knows what he's saying. It just goes to show that part of his, he's, he's all business. So that's brilliant. That's very, very smart, very genius. The big thing about it for me was the scouts. And the idea that the sacrifice these guys are giving for their family. I think there was one little scene, it was a tiny bit of a scene, where you see one of the scouts going home and he hadn't seen his kids fighting a hell on, and the kids were delighted to see their dad. 
And I think that's the bit that's missed. We're all going, oh, the draft last year, the Bears were terrible and fire everybody and we should fire everybody. Like, there should be never again. Well, you never see that. I think you're right. We spoke about it actually on the show last, the, la- the show we last did about that the Bears don't do enough of this. They don't do enough of letting the fans engage. And now, especially when the fan, ga- fan base for the first time in history is in the one direction we all understand what we're trying to do we understand nearly all of the attempts attempts to sign players or let release players it makes sense to everybody now but i think the scouts thing was what standard that and i think bill laser and Filippo had a smile on their face the whole way through the episode i think it was literally like they were trying to they were trying i think there was one more where they were trying not to like give out their excitement of like clapping because he made a super pass you could see it they were like oh my god this is absolutely brilliant but we can't say that um and it was it, 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 it was interesting to watch. The other thing is I read somewhere, saw something which I thought was interesting. It was very draft-focused. There was no mention of Andy Dalton at all. Um, wasn't wasn't included at all. Now, look, I know it was draft-focused, but uh, interesting. But I guess that goes to the whole point that I would have liked the Bears to do one even prior to the draft where you are focusing on kind of some of those free agent guys that you brought in. Because, look, the one thing that the Bears needed to do is they needed to kind of bring some, they, even if they did an episode now where people have calmed down on the Andy Dalton thing. So because now what people will want to see is, okay, so what do we have in Andy Dalton? Because it, it is important to do that. And look, I think a lot of people have been very, very positive on the episode that has come out. So I think it's one that look the Bears need to do more than three episodes a season. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Look, if you can't have, the media members kind of sending out videos and kind of talking about things to do with the team, well, then the team have to do it. And that's that's one of the big things that I kind of want to – that was important. Look, although in terms of the actual, I guess, the the draft days so that, that they were talking about, they're given the insights. I think you find some people finally see just how tough a job it is for not only Matt Nagy but for Ryan Pace as well. Like the fact is that they're saying that – maybe he can actually go have a vacation and be a dad, which I found was a, a very interesting one. It goes to show how hard that he does have to work. I guess I go back in and think of both the Adam John story that came out that kind of spoke a lot about this as well, but also that I think it was in one of the press conferences that Matt Nagy may have said it, but that a large portion of the Zoom meetings that they were allowed to do with prospects a large majority of that was actually with Justin Fields. So it goes to show just how important. I think Nagy let that slip out when he was talking about Justin Fields remembering some of the plays that he went through. So that does show just how much that the Bears really coveted Justin Fields and the fact that they spent a lot of the hours that they're allowed allocated to one prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, um, I, I think that one of the things getting to the point of you know uh, uh, sharing with Bears fans, football fans, all of these uh, behind the scenes machinations, I think that the NFL can really do a much better job during the off season of providing programming for us diehard football fans, and there's millions of us who want to see the minutia of what the scouts are saying, or what a scout meetings look like, about what coaches and general managers, those conversations that they have, these Zoom meetings with prospects, they've been preserved. Those are on videotape. We would love to see this stuff. We yeah. would pay to watch yeah. this stuff. There is no reason at all why they have 
have a treasure trove of programming that can satiate our appetite for NFL football during these long summer months where there's not much to talk about, uh, particularly when we get to those uh, six, eight weeks before training camp opens. I would love to go over all this stuff. I would love to see a segment with John Filippo breaking down tape for us. He, he did a show like that in Philadelphia when he yes. was yeah. It's brilliant. He should be yes. He should be doing that with the Bears. He should be breaking that tape down about Andy Dalton, about Justin Fields. How much more would we be fired up as fans? And it's programming that would bring them money, advertising dollars. If they were even going to charge, uh, you know, not that we we want to pay any more from the money that we already pay, but even if it was an on-demand thing for a couple of bucks, hey, I I would subscribe to a service like that. So. Absolutely. You know, there is a whole other world outside of the gridiron that us fans really want to learn more about, really want to know about, really want to see, listen, engage with people. You know, uh, again, uh, whether it's D. Filippo or, or the new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, you know, how about having him on a StreamYard show hosted by, by you guys and you're firing questions and he's answering questions so forth. That stuff should be available to us fans. It just is going to create a better NFL product. It's going to... Uh, invigorate football fans. It's going. It's going to be uh, 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 must-see football games uh, because you're just you're just you know planting uh, fans. You're you're planting the seeds for for fanaticism. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but this is just a topic that's very dear to me because I worked in broadcast television and I have an a an affinity for trying to create programming that galvanizes people and the NFL is just missing out on great opportunities in my mind. Yeah. And it's so surprising because on one hand, we talk about that and the NFL is very closed off in terms of the fans in that way, but then they keep talking about how they want to kind of build it and they want to kind of expand the fan base where they're, I know they have games in London, they're trying to get a game in Germany. And then there was a report that, they may try and get a game in the new Real Madrid stadium. Like, if you're not going to provide all this program to make other people understand every single aspect, like, you always hear in draft season where the teams are will say that some people that talk about the draft don't always know exactly what they're talking about in terms of what happens. Well, then provide programming, like you said, so that people can understand it because not everybody's as big into the draft as, as we are. And they come to kind of these different shows to kind of learn this stuff because they're not getting it from the mm -hmm. teams and they're not providing that information. And it's, it, it's a tricky one though. Look, Anthony, one thing I wanted to bring up and it was one of the impressive ones that I kind of got from it is you actually got a little bit of insight on some of the coaching staff as well. You got to see a lot about Juan Castillo there where he was doing a couple of different zoom meetings, especially with Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm. So you got to kind of listen on them. But I think, the one thing that we got to learn a little bit more about, I think, was John Filippo and his rapport with Justin Fields and that they showed like a clip of him on a Zoom meeting with him where he was going through tape. Like even if it was a segment of that, like you're saying, Aldo, that would be a really interesting one of them going through that particular game and just hearing what both Justin Fields, instead of that small snippet of what he sees, what they went through in that game and then what John Filippo kind of saw. We've seen that, I think, Anthony, the one thing that I took from it is it seems like 
DiFilippo and Fields already have a pretty good rapport with each other that they know exactly what they what they like and what they don't like and what he wants. I, I guess Bill Lazor was the kind of more the overseer that that particular time because Nagy was out with the kind of he was yeah. in close contact with COVID. But what did you get from kind of getting to see some of these coaches that really we get to hear from the position coaches maybe once or twice a year and, and that's about it. But it's the first time in a while that we've actually got to kind of see this raw footage from some of these guys. Yeah, and I think Aldo hit the nail on the head. And the most important part of all of that is that it's the Bears control the content. And this is the bit I don't get it. So if you don't, if you let the, the every other person involved in the room can say whatever they want to say. But it's just, <laughs> I love that Chubbs. Chubbs is a legend, by the way. Chubbs comes mm-hmm. up every week. He comes up every week with a classic. Stay, keep with us, my good man. Um, mm-hmm. What I think of, of Bill Lazor and Dee Filippo, again, it goes back to what I said at the start. They were like, it was like Christmas by a billion for these guys. And and this isn't disrespectful to the previous um, uh, quarterbacks that we've had, but it was almost like, oh my God, our whole playbook is now available to us. Well, it wasn't before. And you could see that in what they were saying, what they were looking. And I think it'll be an interesting conversation. And this again, Aldo, is what I'd love to see is when they have a conversation, when does Justin Fields start? Because I know they're they're saying the right things now. And look, Andy Dalton might prove me wrong and might turn out to be absolute superstar. But I guarantee you by the looks of what they were saying, and even in, in draft night, the conversations must be must be there. It's interesting. I'd like to see more than just Laser and Di Filippo, keep going down, keep going down the layers and where they go. Because at the moment, you're looking at coaching. And although in, over here in Ireland, we would have, we would have different sports, but you'd always see the, the main coach and I say only two or three guys below that. And that would be in rugby or in, in Irish sports. That's kind of all you that they ever have. They never have really that level that NFL has. And you always kind of kind of hear from them. And they're usually ex-players that get a job within the in the team again. And I'm really obsessed, like you were, I'd love to know. Who was the first person to see Justin Fields? What did they say? Was there a negative person? Was somebody in there going, actually, no, I don't really rate this kid at all? Yeah. And and then what does that lead to? Instead, you get this, and again, you can control the message. So it doesn't have to be negative against one person. You control the message. I'm with you. I'd be spending five, ten dollars a pop at that just yeah. to see that. Instead, we get which we get on our show sometimes where people say, Oh, it's great to talk football for the first time in I don't know how long. And I kind of look at Karen going, We're talking football three days a week. Two days a week. We're here. We're talking football. We want to talk football. Like, I I spent days talking about Daz Newsom's collarbone because it made me cry. Right? <laughs> these, these are the things that we want to be talking about. I I'd, see, I'd love to see the x-ray of, of Daz Newsom's old collarbone. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the content of, I knew that would get here. I knew that would get here. But that, that's the kind of stuff we we were looking for, and the night and the nineteen twenty film just gave you a snippet of it, and mm-hmm. and I hope and I'm with you, and I hope they do at least ten of them across the season because there's so much good stories to talk about. Yeah, yeah, like there's no reason why they can't have one. Maybe not on a weekly basis, but like every month they should have they should have enough content there that you should be able to look. If like I said, if all these different shows that we that we go on that we that we do can come up with some of this content to talk about surely they can provide <laughs> it because like it it's one of those that it, it is the annoying one because when we talk to like some of the media members like we had chris emma on the show just what was it yesterday i think it was or the day before um and yeah thursday and just the fact that like that they have to be 200 yards away from 
the training. And like, I don't understand that. Look, you're not letting them post any videos. So why are you having them 200 yards away if they can't post it anyway? Like, I would understand if they were allowed to take video and post it out that you'd want to put them far so you can't right. see much. Right. But if they can't post the stuff anyway, you may as well just let them be right there so that they can see it. Because look, eventually training camp's going to come along when they're going to be closer. Like you have to get these guys in because again, at this point of the season, the media is the only link that the Bears fans have with the team. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. I don't understand uh, this. It almost feels uh, alienating attitude that the Chicago Bears organization has to the media in this town. You know, when John Fox was the head football coach, there was a couple of practices where they would allow bloggers, guys like me and you, access to practices at Bourbon A. We could stand along the sideline and hear what was going on, and we had access to the players after uh, the, the practice. They would bring out two or three players, and we would be there along with the official media and talk. And then that, that has now been taken away since Nagy arrived. Now, I don't know if it's Nagy-driven. I don't know if, if Ryan Pace uh, is against it. I don't know if somebody did something wrong and that uh, screwed it up for everybody. But it, it appears to me that even the, the mainstream media is being treated in an unkind or an unprofessional way. You know, having them 200 yards away, not having a, a special area with a mainstream media can get a good look at what's going on so that they can uh, report accurately what's happening. Now, now there's, there's stories that locker room access might not be available to mainstream reporters after games during the week, that it's, everything's now going to continue to be Zoom meetings. And so mainstream media people will not be able to uh, build these bonds with players and get, you know, uh, uh, inside information, whispered information and so forth. That just to me is is bad news. It's a bad thing to uh, have an organization run that way. Here in the United States, you know, the media, the news media is called the fourth estate. You know, politicians may not love them, but they know that it's important to have a free press and to report on things. The NFL should be the same way. The Chicago Bears should be the same way. There's gonna they're gonna be people with bullhorns saying, you know, Ryan Pace screwed up or whatever, but you still need them. You need them to report and they should be treated better and 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 given the access that they need in order to do a good job for us fans. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's one of the important aspects, I think, of the team. And it's gotten worse over time. And it's like I know when they, they moved from Bourbon A that there was a lot of people that were kind of really annoyed about that. And then it just kind of coincided with COVID. And it seems like they've now used that as an excuse to kind of alienate the, the media from both the fans and the team. And it, it's a problem because like people want to be able to talk about the Bears. And the only way we're going to get that is if we see some or we can talk to the people that are at practice because right now, we don't get to see any of that because the Bears post out a 50-second clip of what happens at the OTA practices. We don't get anything except for what we hear from some of the media members. So it is really important. That's why I always love training camp because you get to go and see it for yourself. You get to talk with other fans that are there and you don't have to just rely on kind of something where the media can't really put out any clips, but like we can kind of 
go there we can look at it ourselves and we can make our own opinions on it and then kind of be able to talk about it and i hope i don't know if they've i don't think that they've actually announced it per se but i really do hope that they do allow fans to go to some of this even if it's a certain amount of fans because it's a really important part like even going to Chicago in, in the summers, I always love traveling down to Bourbonnet to go and kind of watch the team, even if the team wasn't going to be that good, because you kind of get that link between the team and kind of the fan base this year more than ever, because everybody is so kind of obsessed with kind of all this Justin Fields hype right now, but it's going to be important going forward, especially with what we're hearing with kind of Andy Dalton and Justin Fields for people to be able to have more access to that. It's, I think it's really important. So I think that's, it's a good way to kind of go into one of the reports that did happen from the, a national guy in terms of, I think it was Mike Florio that came out and said that Andy Dalton has been promised the week one starter job. Now I have said it on the show. I think Anthony has agreed with me that if Justin Fields is even close or even on par with the way Andy Dalton is playing in, in training camp, Justin Fields should be starting in week one because, again, you have to do what's best for your team. If Justin Fields is ready and he's gone through kind of a list of things to where he's not a reason why you're not getting a playoff in time or that there's not mistakes because he's in there because he's still learning some things. But if he's full, if he's prepared to play, he should be. So I was a bit perturbed by the fact that it that the report said that Andy Dalton was promised the week one starting position because if they said that he's the QB one from when he signed, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But the fact that they're saying that like he's promised the week one job, it goes to the point of, well, then what's the point in having a competition because it's already been given to somebody. I hope it's the report from Florio is like the guy that spoke to him was someone that had all the information from back in March. And it's not a very kind of up to date information because if it is and no matter what Dalton is starting in week one, it's a very disappointing thing because if Justin Fields plays really well, like we saw with Russell Wilson when he went into Seattle, I think it's doing a disservice to the team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And before I answer that question, I just a quick comment on Chubbs. Uh, Chubbs, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Reporters, a lot of them are out for self-promotion. And I agree that the beat reporters who should be focused on journalism should not be sharing their opinions sometimes. They should really be journalists and report on what they're seeing and hearing and trying to get more information, be investigative, adversarial type reporters. That's the job of the media. So I'm with you, Chubbs, on a lot of what you're saying there. But to your point about this uh, uh, quarterback job being promised to Andy Dalton, I agree 100% with you. Listen, you know, I understand that the Chicago Bears were in a really tough situation. They made the decision to move on from Mitchell Trubisky. They weren't going to bring Mitchell Trubisky back unless all of the 50 scenarios <laughs> that they had mapped out, all of them failed, and 51 was, okay, let's see if Mitchell come back. Um, and so uh, they were in a tough situation. They didn't know that Justin Fields or Mac Jones or any of those top five quarterbacks was going to be available whenever they could move up in the draft. So they had to acquire a veteran quarterback quarterback because they knew that Nick Foles was not the quarterback that he once was. They saw enough of Nick Foles to know that if we don't have like a 
uh, a, a, the big wall of China in front of this guy to give him protection. And, and even then he might miss an open receiver. Um, if we don't have that type of protection for Nick, you know, it's just not going to work out. They were wrong in bringing Nick Foles in. So they needed to acquire a, a veteran quarterback. And so in order to persuade Andy Dalton here, they had to make the promise. You're signing a one-year contract, but you're going to be the starter. But now they've made it even worse. You know, if Mick Florio's report, reporting is correct, and sometimes it's not, but it, it is clear that he's going to get that first game in as the quarterback. But you're right. If during training camp we're seeing Justin Fields soak up this playbook and then take it out onto the practice field and execute that play, playbook, flawlessly or better than Andy Dalton. And then in the preseason games goes out and outperforms Andy Dalton that everyone, including the players are going to be wondering why is Andy starting game one? We know who the best quarterback is. We know who's going to give us the best chance of winning. And in that case, if Matt Nagy doesn't say we were going to start Andy Dalton, but it's clear that Justin has shown tremendous progress and he's starting game one. He's our quarterback moving forward. Uh, if they don't do that, then it's going to really, really wreak havoc in that locker room. These players have been promised that the best players are going to be out on the football field, the guys that can give you the best chance to win football games. And if Justin Fields has proven that he's better than Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton is starting, whoo, pitchforks in uh, <laughs> yeah. back at Hallis Hall we go. <laughs> I'll be getting the plane ticket organized, COVID or no COVID. Um, I think I think what's what's interesting, you made a point, is I've been saying this on the show a few times, is I think it's a player's conversation. And I think you look at the likes of Mac and you look at the likes of Keem Hicks and you look at people like that. A-Rob is the best example on the offense. All he's talking about necessarily isn't all about money. It's about rings. I want to I want to win a ring. I want to win a ring. And he was at Jacksonville and he had nobody. He was at Chicago and he had nobody. All due respect to everybody involved. Now he sees this potential shining star and he's in training camp and he's hitting dimes. And you're going, A-Rob's going, I might renew actually. Do you know what? This is this is the place I want to stick around. And then he's told by Nagy, oh, don't worry about it. Dalton will be here for the whole season or he'll be here until week nine. And suddenly the lads are going, well, we might have we might be on a three and six record last stage and it's out of another another season goes by. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's the one that's going to be the most interesting. Um this whole thing about I think the other thing, if you go back to draft night, Karen and my Karen and myself were like, okay, he, he sits the whole season. Sits the whole season, doesn't play. And then by two weeks later, okay, he'll come in at week like twelve. Okay, come in at week twelve, that's fine. Let's go back to week four. I'm all in on week one now. Um, and it's, it just shows the, the, the importance that this kid has created and the atmosphere has created. The other thing, and Kieran says it all the time, I'm going to rob his line, but once he's in, he stays. Mm-hmm. So once Justin Fields, we may as well draft Andy Dalton and leave Nick Foles as our backup um, because that's the, that's the process. Once Justin Fields is in, I don't want to see a Tua. I don't want to see a scenario where seven or eight games in, oh, let's pull him. I don't want to see that because once Justin Fields starts and we have to accept he's going to make mistakes. We have to accept he's going to do stuff that is wrong. Mm-hmm. But we've got to live with that. And I, and I, I think if we start in week one, he, he sticks around and he, and he stays there for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a big thing when I, I kind of look back at it. I've always said that I, I've always just had the feeling that Andy Dalton was going to be starting at the beginning of the season. I keep going back and saying that 
do I think that Justin Fields would be ready? I do, because he's one of those guys that he's not a typical 11th pick of the draft. He's a guy that normally goes second or first, and those guys play. You look at Kyler Murray. You're going to look at Trevor Lawrence. They'll make mistakes. Look, everybody's saying how great Trevor Lawrence is going to be. You're going to see early on in the season, he's going to make some bonehead mistakes because he's a rookie. And that's what, what happens. We I keep going back to the whole Justin Herbert situation is where everybody was praising just how good he was. And the Chargers still only won seven games. So it is it is difficult. And look, that's the reason why Andy Dalton's there because you do want a veteran there that if he's not ready, you don't have to force him in. Unlike what we see at the Jets or Jacksonville because they have to play their rookies regardless if they're ready or not. And that's, that's a big thing. But w- when I look at kind of Andy Dalton, I think this is where one thing people need to kind of go back to because I think people are expecting Andy Dalton to be what we saw in like Nick Foles and some of the other veteran quarterbacks we've been, we've brought in over time. Andy Dalton is an average quarterback, which means that he will make plays and it won't be terrible. You look at, you look at him overall. I was kind of just looking at last season. I started watching some of the, the Dallas games today to see kind of, because I remember him at, Cincinnati but now it's a while ago since like he was a the kind of starter heading into the playoffs so I look at this season even just kind of some of the stats that he had so his completion percentage 64.9 percent I think he played 11 games 2170 yards 14 touchdowns eight interceptions and an 87.3 QB rating which is when you actually look at Andy Dalton throughout his career that's kind of his average because Mm -hmm. You look at it even throughout it, he's kind of come into the league since 2011. His complete, his completion percentage is 62.2%. He's thrown for 33,000 yards, 218 touchdowns to 126 interceptions, and a QB rating of 87.5. So, again, very similar to what we saw last season with Dallas, but he's going to be fine, and you can win games with Andy Dalton. But to get to that next level, you need Justin Fields to come in. And I just feel like the most, I guess, normal way this is probably going to happen so that Matt Nagy doesn't look bad as well for just keep talking about Andy Dalton is I think you look at that kind of week four, week five, and very similarly to what happened to the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor goes down, suddenly Justin Herbert's in and you don't have to look back. I can see something very similar. Um to what could happen for the Bears. Look, there's, there's, I just I asked the kind of question in the chat. Some people saying it should be the starter in week one. This is what I think I believe in when it comes to it. It all depends when he is the best quarterback that gives us the best chance to win. So that's what depends on for me is for training camp. That I have it in my head that I expect Justin Fields to be playing pretty early in the season, probably around – anywhere from week four to week eight. But if Justin Fields is the best quarterback in training camp, I will be the first one kind of yelling from the rooftops that he should be starting in against the LA Rams. I'm with you. 110% there. There, This it's should be based on merit. And so whoever performs the best in the classroom and out on the practice field and in those preseason games, I hate the fact that been, there's been a proclamation as to who the number one quarterback is. And in fact, you know, there is the argument that 
you know, why not just say, hey, Justin Fields is the number one quarterback. We know he's going to eventually be the number one quarterback. We want him to have the number one quarterback snaps. We want him to have 70% of the snaps in practice. We, we want to expedite his growth. We think that he is good enough to play. So that, that's not a bad approach to take. You know, Chris Sims has gotten a lot of heat justifiably for things that he said about Justin Fields. One of the things that he said that I totally agree with is that, you know, uh, the Bears have said that they're going to apply the Kansas City Chiefs model and Sims said, well, who's to say Mahomes could not have had an excellent rookie season? I mean, yeah, there were certain things that he didn't know that clearly he didn't know the playbook very well. But just because of his God-given talents, the guy played really well in his sophomore season. He probably could have played pretty damn well in his, in his uh, real rookie season. So uh, there's that to consider. And then one other thing that I want to bring up regarding those numbers that you spoke about, Andy Dalton. You know, you look back at his performance, and he really feasted on teams that were bad. You know, yeah. <laughs> in week fifteen, uh, the uh, it was week sixteen, their fifteenth game. He was twenty-two out of thirty for three hundred and seventy-seven yards and three touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. And we all know what happened with the Eagles last se- season. They were in tank mode by by that point of the season. Um, and there were a, a number of other games that, you know, the stats, like I'll, I'll take you back. The last game of the regular season, he had an awful game, 244 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. Everyone was packed and ready and making tee times at the golf course. Before that Philadelphia game, they played uh, San Francisco. He was 19 of 33 for two touchdowns and zero interceptions. He had similar stats the prior week against his old team, Cincinnati, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. So they were, you know, average, but against the really bad teams, he really feasted on those. And you know what? That's not what I want. I want yeah. Justin Fields. <laughs> I want Justin Fields, who can probably match those numbers if Matt Nagy game plans efficiently, really sets his sights on establishing a run game, really sets his sights on utilizing Justin Fields' strengths as a deep ball thrower, his his ability to uh, move in the pocket and, and, and really solidify this offensive line. The most important signing they have to do right now is this right tackle that came in from Washington and visited. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's left town, but if if he's anywhere near the airport now, then they, they need to grab security. Send security over there. Uh, Ryan Pace should be saying, send security over there and bring him back here. You know, we'll sign him at whatever cost, even if it takes having to make another cut of a veteran like a Jimmy Graham. You know, if you're telling me you can bring in this right tackle who played with Washington over Jimmy Graham, mm, I think I want offensive line protection for my quarterbacks. I really do. I'm all for I'm all for it. The only problem is it'll need four or five security to stop this like on the plane because he is huge. And interesting point you made, Aldo, and it's one I want to kind of follow up on was everyone goes on about this and it's beginning to wreck my head. The the Mahomes thing. Mahomes, 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 and a Kansas Oscar. Smith was miles, I mean miles better at quarterback at that moment in time. Like we're talking about a team that was ready to win right there and then. And people were talking about Smith being the guy that'll take them to win it. So I, I'm literally, it does my absolute head in when I hear about the Mahomes thing, Mahomes, Mahomes. But also think about, about Andy Dalton is that our schedule for next season is so tough outside of the first four games. 
So once we go beyond game four, once we go, go beyond the Lions, we suddenly went, well, when are you going to put them in? When are you going to? Because there's always a, with the home and away stuff, but even, even forget the home and away stuff, there's just, it's a very tough schedule. So it just adds to the whole thing. So Dalton might look really good in the first four games because we're not playing the greatest defenses in the world. In the case of the Lions, I think the three of us will probably give them a good game, but that's me. Um, and I just think there's a lot of stuff that we could potentially be damaged by doing that. I, I would just be interested to get your take on the pressurized Peggy Krasinski was on our show last week or a week before, and she was talking about that Nagy and Pace, that we, some of the believe that they're safe because of what happened with Justin Fields. And she made a very good point that stuck with me, is that she thinks Ryan Pace is safe because of the drafts that he's done. But Matt Nagy's seat is even hotter because of, of what they've done with getting Justin Fields in there, because he was this offensive guru. And I actually, now that I'm really thinking about it, I think she could be really right. Do you think that is playing into Matt Nagy's head about if it goes wrong and if Justin Fields turns out to be not the greatest quarterback or makes interceptions and it's not the, the plays aren't good enough. Do you think it all falls back on Nagy and that's in his head while he's thinking, let's get the altar from the start? It's a great question. And, and you know, uh, uh, I would always uh, defer to Peggy, who's got uh, uh, more Emmy Awards than I've got socks in my socks. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that they're both, uh, Nagy and Pace are joined at the hip right now. And I think that Bears management is is looking at them as a joint unit. You know, there was a reason I think that Ryan Pace didn't answer the question that he was asked repeatedly uh, during uh, his press conferences is what's the length of his contract. I think that they extended his contract. It's supposed to be up after this season. I think they extended it to coincide with Matt Nagy's contract. He still has two seasons, 2021 season and 2022 season. So I think that they're both joined at the hip. There would be nothing worse than bringing in a, a new general manager and telling him you got to work with Matt Nagy or, you know, giving – Ryan Pace, another opportunity to bring in a head coach if Matt Nagy doesn't uh, prove his worth. You know, a lot of people have said that uh, John Fox was foisted on Ryan Pace and that really wasn't his first choice. Well, but we know, and that's probably true, but we know that Matt Nagy was his, his choice. We know that. And so we know that Justin Fields is his choice at quarterback. And so if something goes terribly wrong here, then – I don't care, you know, what the contracts say. The, the Chicago Bears have to do what they've done in the past, which is fire uh, these guys and just start over clean house. You've got a quarterback that any general manager will want to come in and say, yes, I can work with this guy and I can work with the other pieces on this team and let's start from scratch. This is a, a really, really important season for the careers of both of those guys. If they're given another chance to uh, be employed at Hallis Hall in 2022, it has to be because they finish over 500 and the team to the eye looks like, okay, we've got something here that's good. And yes, some of these players are getting older, but 2022 could be the season we win a Super Bowl because the, uh, these guys were right about Fields. These guys were right about Cole Komet. These guys were right about Darnell Mooney. These guys were right about the offensive line changes that they've made. And and 
uh, the the and they were right about Sean Desai and having him bring back the Vic Fangio style defense that he's bringing in. So um, uh, you know that, that's my hope. I, I mean, I'm first and foremost, uh, I'm a Bears fan, and so I'm hoping whether I like those guys or not, I, I'm still rooting for them to succeed. And uh, so that's 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 what I'm I'm going to stick with there. Yeah, for me, I just think that. I've always said that once they drafted Justin Fields, I think that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are safe. The reason is you don't want to go changing kind of your offensive coordinator slash head coach for a young quarterback. We don't need to see the same thing that we constantly saw with Jay Cutler, where every single year he has a new offensive coordinator. So that's where I've kind of gone to. I guess the the one question that I, I kind of like kind of bringing up, Aldo, and I just want your opinion on it is, even if Justin Fields wasn't to start in week one, should the playbook be the playbook for when Justin Fields is in so that when that change does take place, that you're not having to completely change your offense? That Okay, maybe if there's certain plays that Andy Dalton won't be able to do because of the legs, that you just don't call those plays, but it's in the playbook so the guys are practicing it. They know exactly what to do. But I guess... Do you think that that should be what the Bears should work towards, knowing that at some point, first-round picks play in their rookie season, and you want to have a playbook that is going to be seamless, that you're not getting guys to completely switch what they're doing from one week to the next? Yeah, you know, the playbook is the playbook. It's 300 pages, and so what is, uh, you know, what we should be discussing is the play calling. Because yeah. there, there are plays in there that Andy Dalton is going to sit down with the coach. If he's to start a week one, he's going to say, this is what I like, coach. Uh, and then the, the coach is going to sit down with the offensive coordinator and the, the rest of the coaching staff and look at the opposition's tape and says, okay, well, this is what he likes. This might work well against that defense. And so th- that's what it is. And Justin Fields, you know, what the beauty is, that he brings to the team, which is another good argument for him to be the starter week one, is that he throws a better deep ball than Andy Dalton. He really, really does. And shame on me for saying that, given that Justin Fields has never thrown a pass in the NFL. Hey, my eyes are not deceiving me. The fact, Despite the fact that I'm wearing glasses, I can see based on his college tape and versus Andy Dalton's pro tape that Justin Fields throws a much better deep ball than Andy Dalton. So that, you know, that's going to happen. There's going to be plays. There's going to be more uh, explosive plays called for guys like Darnell Mooney and some of these other fast receivers like Goodwin that have been signed. That's that's going to happen more with Justin Fields. Now, those plays are going to be in the playbook for Dalton, but you know, are you going to draw them up more? I was actually looking at some tape from uh, Dalton in uh, his uh, Bengals day. He threw a lot of those short crossing patterns. I mean, that's where he feasted with uh, with uh, his top receivers down there. A lot of that short stuff and uh, yards after the catch, and that's what I expect to see him uh, do if indeed he's playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears. But I would prefer that he's carrying the clipboard. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's the important thing that we want to see is that pretty early on in the season, we want the best quarterback being out there because you want the Bears to have the best opportunity to win football games because, look, the Bears have no excuse now. We're not going to be one of those teams that when it comes towards the end of the season that you should be even looking at the draft because what you want to do is now you want to build on what we've seen 
over the last couple of seasons because everybody keeps saying, well, it's the quarterback's fault. It's the quarterback's fault. Well, now you have an average quarterback in Andy Dalton and you have your future franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. So if it doesn't start to work this year, that's when there's going to be a bit of a problem. Now, one thing that you know, that you did mention, Aldo, is that you are talking about Morgan Moses that, that came in from, from Washington. And it's the one thing that I think we spoke a little bit about um, on the show on Thursday, Anthony, is we keep – Matt Nagy for the last two years has been talking about this offensive identity that he wants to have. And I keep saying that the one thing that I saw this year with the offensive line and even some of the running backs that have been brought in is that you can tell that the Bears want to be tougher and they want more speed on this offense. And you, you mentioned it yourself with guys like Darius Bird and you have uh, Marquise Goodwin that have come in. So even even without Moses, if he if he didn't come in, have you kind of seen that kind of shift in terms of the the offense? Do you think that look? I keep mentioning it with Charles Lano that he's he was a very good pro for for the Bears, but it just seemed like maybe he was one of those guys that the mentality in the offensive line was back to where I keep thinking back of the playoff game where Chris Long was on I think one of the radio shows. I mentioned that even if the Bears won that game, they weren't going to move on because their offensive line is is too soft. They're not mean enough. And now you're starting to see some of the guys that are coming in, they have that mean streak. You look at Tevin Jenkins, he wants to kill guys on, on, on the field. You saw what he did to Joseph Asai against Texas. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to see probably what Juan Castillo wants his offensive line to look like. And I think that's really, really important. And for me, when I look at this identity, just from an early stage, I see that the Bears want to be tough, but they also want to be very, very fast on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. This offensive line is being molded in Juan Castillo's identity. You know, Juan Castillo is a fired-up offensive line coach. He likes tough guys. He likes guys that eat glass for lunch, and those are the types of players they're trying to get him. And Charles Leno, you know, I've, I've been a defender of Charles. You know, I thought we got, uh, we being the Bears, got great value out of Charles, seventh-round draft pick. Uh, and he played like an average, uh, sometimes below average, and sometimes slightly above average, but for the most part, average left tackle. And that is a great value. You know, the problem was with the Bears is that they never invested a mid-round or a high draft pick on the tackle position. They they, they have uh, second-round picks in the middle of the line, which is good because I, I'm a big proponent of, a, of having a strong interior offensive line because it's a short passing game now and quarterbacks like to step up in the pocket. And so you need those good guys there. But at the same time, still, you need offensive tackles, you know, because particularly when you got a quarterback like a Justin Fields who wants to hold on to that ball for that extra second so that he can spot somebody downfield and get that deep pass down to them. So, the, you know, I, I I also agree with you that they are going towards these more athletic offensive linemen. And so the reason for that is because um, – uh, they're going to run the ball a lot on the outside and they want those offensive linemen on their horses, getting outside and, and, and blocking downfield. And so that is part of what we're going to see with this offense. But I think it is very, very important that this team 
commit to the run game and stay with that commitment even when they're down a touchdown. We've seen it over and over and over again with Matt Nagy is he tends to give up on the uh, a run game very easily. It was his his goodbye card with the Kansas City Chiefs. He gave up on the run game in that playoff game. He was calling the plays, and he he brought that same mentality here, and I think he didn't do Mitchell Trubisky any favors with that type of approach. And, and maybe he saw the offensive line and said, you know what, I don't trust those guys at running the ball. And and so it, it's, it's, you know, those guys know, think they see things in practice and develop a game plan based on that, and maybe they saw an offensive line that wasn't hoping, opening up holes uh, in practice, so it could be that, but I, I there still has to be a commitment. Guys like Olin Krutz will tell you, if you stay committed to the run game, you're going to tire the defense out, and you may not get dividends in the first quarter, but by the third quarter and definitely fourth quarter, there's going to be explosive plays out of your running backs if you have a commitment to it. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of that early on with Jordan Howard, where you didn't see a lot of that early in the game. But later on, you start to see some of these kind of big plays start to open up. I think the Steelers game kind of, I think that one where it went to overtime kind of, uh, that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about here. Um, look, Anthony, we have a couple of running backs kind of coming in. We have Damian Williams. We have Tariq Cohen who's come back. That I've seen a couple, of, um, a couple of pictures where he looks a lot stronger than before his, his surgery. So what are your expectations from this running back room? Yeah, I think the running back room was probably going to be the, one of the most intriguing things from um, outside of the QB because Montgomery was very interesting what he was saying, the comments about the fact that he was desperate to, to get back on the field and prove he's a top five running back, which I think is really, really good. I think the one thing that's, that's interesting as well, and, and Aldo, you said it, was that um, Carazano was, was an average left tackle. The thing that stood out to me in Charles, and I've said it on the show before, is he seemed happy to be cut. He seemed honestly to me, thanks very much for my seven years in Chicago. Bye now. <laughs> we don't want him. Nice guy. Nice guy. We don't want that. We want real, real guys. And and I think everything that, that this draft has done looks that way. I think Moses would be a massive addition. I really do. I think that would, that would just solidify all that. And it would allow us to do runs. I think Williams is a great free agency signing. Um, and it just it just adds to it, and I think there's there's just that little kind of add-on that, that is going to make it really interesting coming forward. It really is. I don't. What do you, what do you think um, of Montgomery? What's your thought of Montgomery? Aubrey? I think uh, he could have a eighteen hundred to two thousand yard total yards uh, type of season. I really do believe it. Uh, you know, obviously certain things have to happen, including health, but I truly believe that his pass catching skills. Um, we we just saw a glimpse of what he could do from a pass catching position, and you know Tariq Cohen is going to be back, and I'm glad to hear. I, I listened to um, Adam Johns on his Hogue Johns podcast. He said that while he didn't do much at OTAs, he was on the sideline. He was his old energetic self. He was jumping and dancing and so forth, and that's going to be great. But he shouldn't be really running the ball much, if if at all. You know, two or three carries, and then the rest. You know, as a gadget player on the outside, and 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 really 
lend to Nagy's creativity. We want to see that 2018 Matt Nagy creativity. And so Tariq Cohen should play a big part of that. But in terms of running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield, it should be David Montgomery. And I really, really do believe that while he he doesn't have that fifth gear, he doesn't have that Ferrari speed, he can still break big plays. We saw it, and um, he's got uh, he's he's he made adjustments uh, during the course of last season, early on in the season at a press conference. He, he said, you know, the offensive line is doing a good job. I'm just not reacting fast enough. I, I keep wanting to bounce things outside, and so as soon as I see something developing, I gotta hit it. And once he started doing that, he was having a uh, having explosive plays for the Chicago Bears. Pass catching, it's it's going to only get better. So the only thing that can uh, 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 detract uh, uh, Montgomery from having an outstanding season is Matt Nagy. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Like, it, it's one of those that you saw just how good Montgomery was towards the end of the season. And that's mm-hmm. what we want to see. We want to have that commitment. And when he needs to come out, you have Damian Williams to go and put in, who had an excellent kind of final season with the Chiefs prior to last season where he went out because of the, the COVID list. Um, so it is really important. Look, I guess one of the last things in terms of offensive things is one of the stories that's been coming out is that is there a possibility of Nick Foles getting traded? Because look, Matt Nagy's come out and said he's number three in the depth chart. And at that point in time, you don't really want three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. I look at the rumor with the Jets, and it's the one team that I, I think we spoke about before, Anthony, and it was the one team that I could see where it's a possibility because you have Nick Mullins that has come back, but he's still kind of just come back from an injury. You have Zach Wilson, who's young, and he's going to need some veteran leadership there. I think that's the perfect team to try and kind of do some sort of deal with. I know they have a lot of light round picks next year, but like even if you can kind of get rid of fouls for a seventh rounder, like it's just getting that money because you can't release them. And that's the problem is you have to, you have to trade them. You can't release them because it costs you more on the cap to release them than if you actually had them on the team. But that changes that if you do get some sort of trade done. So I guess Anthony, I'll, I'll come to you on this one is, one, do you expect Nick Foles to get traded? And two, I guess, if he's not traded, how how beneficial can he be in that quarterback room with Justin Fields this year? I think we own the Giants a favour, don't we, because of Justin Fields. So I suppose sending him to the Jets is probably a good a favour as we can give back. <laughs> I, I don't I don't rate Nick Foles anymore, unfortunately. I think, again, another guy that seems like a nice dude the kind of guy that's nice and Joe, you go over bear with him and he's pretty sound. We don't need those guys anymore. Look, can he help Justin Fields? I'd say he can. I'd say he could help them. But I, I still think that people people are looking at Justin Fields as if he's some sort of complete red rookie that has never, ever seen a football before in his life. Listen to his first interview as a Chicago Bear and see where you, if you'd have just listened to that and didn't know who it was, tell me that's a rookie, because I guarantee you I didn't feel that that was a rookie the way he was speaking. So don't think Nick Foles can show him that much. I think Andy Dalton in the room, with him, that's not that's not the worst thing in the world, because that's going to that's gonna give him that level of something, because he, he probably would need something. You can't just have Tyler Bray. So I, I think that's the, the interesting one. Does he go to the Jets? That makes a lot of sense to me. I think Nick Foles would probably get that way. But what was, what was interesting is Nick Foles seems fine with being the third quarterback in Chicago. 
and, and seems again it, he he doesn't really care. He'll be fine about it. Um, and I kind of kind of could see. Therefore, do we want three quarterbacks in the fifty-three? You said, Karen. No, we don't. We <laughs> really don't. I would take I would take him for a seventh round. I would take him for a packet of crisps. I take him for pretty much anything, whatever the Jets want to offer. Um, and that's no disrespect to Nick Fowler. It is disrespectful to us. But what I meant by that is that we need the cap space. We need that money. We need some sort of ways of getting that wage off our bills so that we can at least look at, at, at using money. Because if we miss out on Moses because of a couple of million, because we couldn't get that money from a trade like Nick Foles or like anyone like that, then there's like, like Wims, another one, my favorite friend, Anthony Miller. These guys, that's money. There's a couple of million there for those two players. And if we miss out on Moses because of people like that and we have Nick Foles in our 53 roster, I think that's a bit yeah. of a mistake. I'm with you 100%. I see Bear Truth 9 says Foles will get traded, and I totally agree. I looked over at The Athletic today, and their beat writer wrote a story about the Jets, uh, and he writes, the Jets need to cut the crap and trade for Nick Foles now. It won't cost much. He goes on to write, there's no reason Foles shouldn't be on this roster by veteran minicamp. Truthfully, he should have been on the roster the moment the Jets drafted Wilson. Uh, he, he goes on also earlier, he said that James Morgan is not ready to be the number one quarterback. Mike White is not an NFL quarterback. So that's who they have behind their prize rookie. They've got James Morgan and Mike White. They need Foles there for his veteran leadership, for the fact that he is a, a great guy to have as a tutor, a mentor, a supporter of that young quarterback. And uh, and he, and I'm with you, Anthony. Uh, give me a bag of chips and and a draft pick, and uh, he's all yours. Well, yeah, now, yeah. You said, now, you, now you said that, I'll know if the athletic guy is saying that we should be telling him for a second rounder. If that's what he said, <laughs> if he's so positive about Nick Foles, second rounder, man, that then we do deals. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, uh, you go back to that, and it just shows the Jets really do need to do something like this because. That's a worse quarterback room than when Trubisky came into Chicago with Glennon and Mark Sanchez because there's nobody there that can actually help Zach Wilson. And that's a big, big problem when you have a second round pick, especially when they have to play because he's going to make mistakes and you need a veteran there to, to basically say, it doesn't matter, move on, it's fine. And to kind of help them through what he sees. But when you have someone like James Morgan, who I believe only came out, what was it, a year or two ago, who has done nothing in the NFL. Right. You have Nick Mullins, who was had a decent time with Shanahan. But like you need someone that's actually a veteran quarterback. And that's why I said it prior to the draft, that the Bears actually had a, a good quarterback room for a rookie to come in. And it was the perfect season for this to happen. Look, like you said, Anthony, and although you agreed that, offer anything i don't care if it's a 2028 20, seventh round pick just get <laughs> just get rid of nick Foles. get rid of that look he shouldn't be a third string quarterback he should be a backup somewhere yeah. and it's a disservice to both him and really to the bears in general that if he's not traded if there's a possibility i know they've tried to trade him but it, it probably will just come down to a desperate team that needs to bring him in. And I think the Jets are the prime option there where they just don't have anybody. They tried to get Brian Hoyer and he went to the Patriots instead. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, I don't think the Jets can wait too much longer. So that quote that you were saying about they should be there by veteran minicamp, 
makes sense because the last thing you need is a going through training camp and still Zach Wilson is really by himself there because the rest of the quarterbacks, they're not really going to do anything. And it is a really interesting one that I think we will be watching over the next kind of couple of weeks or so. Hopefully it might even come out when there's like that bit of downtime. So we have another story to talk about. So that'll be, that'll be good. But look, I think that's enough for the offense right now because we've, We've spoken at length about all the Justin Fields, Matt Nagy, all that sort of stuff. But one thing I wanted to kind of bring up with you, Aldo, is this idea of the defense. Because we have seen them since 2018 kind of take those step backs. We've seen Kyle Fuller now leave where you have, it's I guess it's a murky kind of defensive backfield where you've Jalen Johnson, but he has injury concerns. You have, you have Trufant who has injury concerns as well. Kindle Vildor is there, but then also hearing that the majority of the defensive players weren't there for the LTA practices. I understand that for the likes of Kilio Mack. I understand it for Akeem Hicks. I was kind of surprised Roquan was there, but not surprised in terms of the type of guy he is. But guys like Jalen Johnson, Kindle Vildor, and um, it, it even to a certain extent, Eddie Goldman, because he hasn't been around in a year, and we know what happens with Eddie Goldman in the offseason. He needs all the work to get his conditioning right. So were you surprised when you heard that basically none of the starters, and there was three defensive linemen that were there? I just thought it was it was pretty bad when you have a new defensive coordinator. Like I, I completely understand when the superstars and the defense aren't there. But when you have second-year players that don't show up, I think that's a bit of a problem. I agree. Uh, It is concerning because uh, Sean Desai, as the new defensive coordinator, you would hope, you I hoped that um, there would have been this allegiance towards him from the veterans to at least show up and maybe not participate, but at least be there to show their support for the young DC. And so that now they have earned the right not to be there. Uh, this was something uh, that again, Adam Johns said in his podcast, these veterans have earned the right. It's a voluntary mini camp, but at the same time, why not take the same approach that Roquan did? You know, that Roquan wanted to be there to meet with Justin Fields, probably for the first time face-to-face to, uh, to support the team and so forth. Would have been great if some of the veteran leadership on this team would have been there. But unfortunately, you know, those – and I, I'm not trying to throw uh, – criticism at you know guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and so forth but that's not the type of leadership they provide you know their their leadership Khalil Mack is is a quiet leader he goes out there and he plays hard and so forth but he's he he you know and then Robert Quinn when he he was signed by the Bears he he said you know he was asked why did you say why did you pick the Bears he goes they offered the most money (laughs) so um you know, it, 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 there is a makeup. There is there is an issue with this defense that I'm a little bit concerned about, about attitude, about the depth at certain positions. Um, I do have uh, – I, I do think that Sean Desai was a good hire uh, because th- this team was tailored for a Vic Fangio-type defense, and it was a huge mistake to bring in Chuck Pagano, who had only one successful season as a defensive coordinator and, and really wasn't applying the new techniques, innovations that Fangio uh, 
uh, had. And, you know, maybe Brandon uh, uh, Staley should have been the defensive coordinator when Fangio left. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned, you know, but that's me. I'm going to worry about a lot of things. Uh, and so I, I've, I've added that to my worry list. I think it's very interesting. The Southern Karen we're talking about at the end of the last show, you made a point about the defense don't, doesn't have to do it. And we're all talking about this great defense. And I would actually argue, and Southern Karen spoke about this last show, I think the defense sucked at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that. They absolutely sucked. And number 12 up the road, because I don't use his name, absolutely um, <laughs> owned them. And it was pretty obvious early on what they were doing. And with the obvious exception of a couple of players, and ironically, Roquan massively was one of them. There's a lot of guys need to show the Chicago Bears fans that they actually want to be here. Right. And that's what the most disappointing me the most. Khalil Mack can do what he wants. Khalil Mack is a superstar. No problem. And, and yes, he's not a leader like you would see Danny Trevathan is, is supposed to be a leader, but he's a leader with his actions and his performances. And last season, people were saying that he wasn't great. He still was, Khalil Mack. But I thought Robert Quinn just should have got his ass to, to, to that training camp after what he performed for what he got paid. Danny Trevathan's another one. Like, get your ass there, Eddie Jackson. These guys who are all talking social media, all talk about where no one throws at me. Get your ass to camp. Right? Don't be a baby about it. It really annoyed me. I found I found the disrespect to show to Desai, and then oh, we're, we're on the we're on the Zoom calls, and no, no, don't don't do that. How come all the offense can do it? And what I loved about it was the offense, which got so much pillars, and we got all the fan base absolutely at the offense alive last year, and we all thought the defense was amazing. They all turned up. The offense were there. They were there with the exception of A-Rob because he's on a franchise tag and that's fully understandable, especially with his history with injury. But I just think that that the offense all ate together. They all were like going to training together. They were all in Zoom calls together. They're all doing this as a unit. And our defense, I, I'm, I'm really interested. I think Sean Desai has a really tough job ahead of him. Um, I hope it works out on a Bears fan. I hope we go back to the, to the Bears defensive of 80-19, but I just, I, I just found it shocking that the likes of Robert Quinn and the Danny Chabaton didn't at least be on the sideline. At least be on the sideline. Yeah, that's the one thing that I came from. It's like, you're in Hallis Hall doing all your, your weightlifting and doing all that program. Like, what's the point in going home? Like, it's, like we always say, it's basically a glorified walkthrough where you're, you're, you're throwing against air. The def- There's no tackling. Like, Look, I get Daz Newsom got injured, but that's because of the way he landed rather than it actually being a physical play that got a player injured. And I, I keep hearing people be like, well, if somebody got injured on defense, people will be saying that. But like the, the defensive players aren't really doing anything to where they can get injured. So it, it's that, look, I like I said, I completely am fine with the likes of Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and... Even to be honest, the only other one is Roquan Smith, where they've proved that they don't really need to be there because they'll show up to veteran mini camp, they'll be ready to go. But it's those second year players or the guys that didn't have the good seasons, like you actually have something to prove here. Because at the end of the day, especially Robert Quinn, because every single Bears fan wants Robert Quinn gone after the end of the season. He needs to prove that, okay, I still have something left. I was injured last year. I can still provide something. But there's a lot of Bears fans that ha- are quite skeptical. I- I'm, I'd be fairly skeptical of, of the defense. I know a lot of people will keep saying, oh, the defense will be fine. But you look at the way they performed towards the end of la- last season, and 
there's a lot of signs there that there's a, a big kind of tail off. We we mentioned it with Danny Trevathan that he looked like he lost a step or two and the likes of Roquan, the fact that he was there, it does show. And one of the comments um, that I, I put up um, earlier on that I think was actually really good is I think this is going to be the transition to where this is going to be Roquan Smith's defense. You hear it the way Matt Nagy spoke about him. And I think that's that's the one thing. You'll see a, a big contract be given to Roquan Smith next year because you're going to get a lot of cap relief with Justin Fields' contract being the main one for the quarterback. And and now it's it, it's time that the Bears do transition, get that defense younger, get them yeah. faster, and get them flying around the football because that's where we're missing. We haven't seen that that much. And the problem is it actually has affected guys like Eddie Jackson that are used to that aggressive front that we didn't have under Chuck Pagano, where it stopped him from making some of those splash plays that we saw from when he was a rookie, Aldo. So it's it's a couple of things that I think do need to improve on. I guess with this happening, it opens holes for, I guess, more of these, and it's kind of the, the last topic of the show, but the, the camp battles. I keep mentioning, I think one of the possibilities as a rookie that could come in and actually play from an early stage is Thomas Graham Jr. at the nickel position. Is there any other kind of camp battles that you're going to be looking for, both on offense and defense, as we kind of head towards training camp? Yeah, the, the defensive backfield is an area of concern for me. You know, I, I know you guys have talked about it in previous shows. You've got uh, your number one cornerback now is Jalen Johnson, a second-year pro who is coming off an injured shoulder. He had shoulder issues uh, in college, and then opposite him, it's suspected that Desmond Trufant, who had shoulder issues himself, uh, injury issues last season, and is at the tail end of his career. So, uh, yeah, we want to see Kendall Wilder step up. And whether that's going to be in that nickel position or at outside corner, I think they're going to look at him really seriously at outside corner and give him every opportunity to beat Desmond Trufant. Uh, for that starting uh, cornerback job, if they can't bring in another quality uh, veteran to compete, Braylon uh, has been signed, but there's still some other defensive backs who might be interesting. So uh, what's going to happen with the, at the cornerback position is going to be really, really important for this team. Then uh, you've got uh, at the at the uh, wide receiver position. What's going to happen at that at that depth position? We know that Allen Robinson is going to catch another hundred footballs this season, and he's probably going to double his touchdown output now, especially if Fields is going to be quarterbacking most of the season. I just I just see that as, as in the cards that they're going to have a really dynamic connection to get together. And Darnell Mooney, I think he's going to improve some of his route running. There were Sometimes where he was totally open because he ran the right route, but there were sometimes that the pass didn't connect with him because he didn't run the quite the right route. And so I think he's going to correct those and he's going to be a big play explosive player for the Chicago Bears. But beyond that, we know the issues with Anthony Miller. We know that uh, some of these uh, they've signed a couple of veteran speedy guys a good one being one of them. And I'm hoping that, you know, some of the guys who have been on the roster for a couple of years, like Thomas Ives, I think he's 6'4", 6'5", out of Colgate. I'm hoping that he can step up because every time I've seen him in camp, uh, every time I've seen him in a preseason game, he's gone like, wow, you know, I, I go, wow, this guy could be something. And, you know, you keep these guys around with the hope that they're going to develop and get better and so forth. It's happened before in the NFL. And and maybe it's time for a guy like Thomas Ives to, to step forward so 
Uh, those are probably the two biggest positions, but there's lots of other positions. Lots of really, the, the only position that I f- have a high level of confidence that I know it's set is at the running back position. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Because you know it's David Montgomery, you know it's Damian Williams, and you know that Tariq Cohen is going to be there to provide gadget plays and so forth. And I think I'm missing some other guy who is who is going to be vying for for snaps out of that running. That all of a sudden that's turned into a great strength in in a position that I'm not worried about. Every the offensive tackle position, I'm really worried about that because Tevin Jenkins. There, there isn't the body of work in his college tape to say, yeah, he can play the left tackle. Don't worry about it. We're going to plug and play him, and don't worry about it. I, I, I'm going to worry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, if you told me we're going to put him at right tackle and don't worry, I would feel a lot better about that. But the fact of the matter is there isn't a lot of tape to say he can be a left tackle in the NFL. So uh, so I'm working, uh, worried about the tackle positions, and I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, – you know, one of the things that Anthony said earlier when we were talking about trading Nick Foles, that Anthony, you're totally right. Trading him is going to free up a few million dollars, and those 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 millions are essential because after Charles Leno was dropped, the June first designation, then all of a sudden the salary cap went from a couple hundred thousand dollars that was available to nine million dollars. Well, six million of that goes to the rookies. And so you've only got three million to sign some veterans. If you trade foals, now you've got maybe double that. And so we need uh, we need to free up some cap space to make these camp battles even more intense and, and, and get some good results out of these camp battles. But I'm I'm worried about a, a few positions. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting when you kind of go through the offense. I, I I've always been of the opinion, especially with Tevin Jenkins, that if the Bears draft them expecting to eventually play him at left tackle. I'm just more of the opinion where I'd rather him just start off from that position because I don't want to see a repeat of what happened to Kyle Long where you saw him as a right tackle, you played him at right guard, and then halfway through you're, split, you're kind of switching him. They did the same thing with James Daniels. They did the same thing with Cody Whitehair. If they saw him as a long-term left tackle, look, he's going to have bumps and bruises in his rookie season. Everybody does. You just have to look at kind of Tristan Wirfs last year where early on he struggled but then late in the season you started to see where it's a the good makings of a left tackle there in tampa so i think it's it's an important one um the the one that i wanted to kind of finish it up with with you anthony is this wide receiver position because it's very very tricky because you go and there's a lot of names but there's a lot of question marks as well we have alan robinson which the longer this goes on the more I guess concerns I have that if he's actually going to resign with the bears and if he's eventually going to be gone at the end of the season, but then really all you have is probably Darnell Mooney. That is an absolute guarantee to play. You've Marquise Goodwin. That'll probably get quite a lot of snaps, but then you have guys like Anthony Miller. You have Demir bird from that came over from new England, Javon Williams, who you've mentioned one that, it's a weird one is how Riley Ridley is still on the team. If he doesn't play special teams and doesn't get many snaps, he's a, he's a weird one. And then look, Aldo mentioned one that has kind of come up quite a bit that Thomas Ives, I think he's been with the team for what, two years now from Colgate as an undrafted free agent. And there's a lot of other kind of undrafted guys. I know you like Daz Newsome. He will be, we'll see kind of what he can do once 
I guess the preseason starts because that's probably when you're going to start to see him get to 100% again. Mm-hmm. So what are your expectations for this wide receiver position? Because for me, I have quite a lot of concerns. Like in This year, I think what I'm relaxed about is that, like Aldo says, is you know that Allen Robinson's going to catch another 100 balls. He's going to probably double his touchdown returns. But my concern is the closer this gets to July 17th, the more I would be worried that what are the Bears going to do after this season at that wide receiver position? Because we already talk about it as a bit of a concern that there's not a load of talent after Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. And if you take one of those guys out, you're starting to look at a position that, that's actually fairly thin. Yeah, I think I think that's the whole. The, the wide receiver room is Allen Robinson. Um, and, and look, Darnell Mooney is a super talented kid. Is he wide receiver one? Probably not. Um, is he someone that's going to score touchdowns from fields hitting him for bombs? Of course he is. I thought I was going to go through the whole episode and not mention Daz because uh, it did make me cry when he broke his quarterback. <laughs> I mentioned him twice. Um, I think you'll find you'll find Daz Newsom will be really looked at special teams to start with. Um, and I think you'll see that's where the development will come through. I think we mention it all the time. Anthony Miller, Wims, Riley Ridley, how are these guys still on the team? Um, and it's, 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 it doesn't make sense to me from a lot of reasons. One cultural perspective, look, you punch someone in the helmet, you're a moron. Move on. And you do it twice, you're an idiot. And then you've got Riley Ridley, who literally offers nothing else. And you're going, okay, that's money. And again, it goes back to Aldo's point. There's money straight away. Before you go anything else, there's money that we could be using to get Moses in and, and, and get that tackle position done. And it keeps going back to that. Alan Robinson is the other one. The most easiest way for us to help money to get our cornerback, to go and get our um to go and get our right tackle sorted, is literally to give Rob a long-term deal and have a conversation where year one is at 10 million. And year two is up at 17, 18, 19, whatever that figure is. But year one is 10 million. Straight away, you get 8 million back because his franchise tag gets, gets, gets fucked at. I think that's the that's the most obvious one. The scary thing is, is does, does A-Rob, has it gone too far now where he's already gone? That he's like, I'm not, no matter what happens, I'm not renewing. Justin Fields or no Justin Fields, I don't feel appreciated at all. Um, I don't feel I'm getting my money I deserve and therefore I'm gone. But if that's the case, you've got our wide receiver one, our main threat, who is worried about not getting injured. And I know that's pretty harsh on, on, on A-Rob, but it will be facts. And it's happened to him before at Jacksonville, so maybe it's in the back of his head. So when the ball is 50-50 and he goes for it, maybe he doesn't really go for it, if that makes sense, because he's out of here anyway. And while, again, that is probably harsh on him, that is probably harsh on, on the kind of player he is and the kind of person that he is because he comes across brilliant, he's a human being. So that could end up being that that call. I think what's really interesting of what we do next is I would be looking to get, like, I think the leash is tiny on Anthony Miller and the leash is even smaller on whims. Um, so I think I can see them being pushed out the door and suddenly you're then opening up well, what comes next. I think Goodwin, Bird. They need we need we need wide receiver three to be someone that is pushing wide receiver one, not only wide receiver two. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem with Anthony or with Alan Robinson. Like you saw when all the contract talk was happening early on in the season, that there was two instances of a 50-50 ball where he basically gets stripped by the defensive back. And look, we want to we want the best of Alan Robinson because with Justin Fields, you don't know what what we're going to see from Robinson because he's just been in the NFL as great numbers 
with terrible quarterback play. So it's going to be very interesting to see what comes up. I, I do hope that he does resign. I it it's it's going to be a problem if he doesn't. Um, I guess the the only thing that I think of is if he doesn't, the player or the player style that you need to look at is kind of what we saw at Ohio State. You look at kind of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for Ohio State, Aldo, and they're the style of players that really do benefit from having a Justin Fields. Look, I'll, once we hit towards the end of the season next year, I'll be putting out all the negative stories about Chris Olave so he falls to the second round. <laughs> but uh, well, like that's like he has like whatever it is epilepsy as well. But whatever, <laughs> just just to have just to have him fall into the second round. But he look, can't count. Uh, he can't count or something like that. He's, he's <laughs> keep going. Yeah, but look, it's. It is it is where you want. Look, I, I guess to finish it off and give you the last point on this, Aldo, is I guess in part one is are you at all confident that Alan Robinson may resign with the Bears? Because I'm starting to kind of lose that bit of confidence that I had middle way of the season that I thought eventually it would get done, which now I'm thinking we're starting to get to a point of maybe it's gone a little bit too far. And then my only thing is if that does happen. I think I would just prefer the Bears to draft somebody in the second round and get and build it that way rather than having to pay loads for a free agent wide receiver that may because we don't know who's going to be there. I know there was a lot of guys this year that signed one year deals. So a lot of the guys that were supposed to be free agents. So I know you've kind of Juju Smith Schuster for the Steelers and there was other guys that signed one year deals who will be free agents next year. Mm-hmm. But nothing is going to be of the kind of talent that we see in in Allen Robinson. So does that concern you that there's not really any talk about any sort of deal being done? Yeah, I, I am a little concerned about it, but actually I, I do feel that by July 15th, which is that deadline date where uh, players who have been tagged uh, have that opportunity to sign a, a long-term extension by July 15th. I really do believe that the Bears are going to get this done with A-Rob. Now, A-Rob is going to have to take a kind of a backloaded deal because big money is going to come in the 2023 season when all of that salary cap money is going to be expanded because the TV contract is going to come in and and all there's going to be lots more cap money. So if his agent, Brandon Parker, I believe his name, is, is, is willing to play, Ball with Ryan Pace. I really do believe that Ryan Pace is smart enough to know that he's got a great opportunity to build the top quarterback in the NFL by having him aligned with Allen Robinson for the next five to seven years. To have a veteran pass catcher like Allen Robinson, a big pass catching target, a guy who is reliable to catch 100 balls, uh, a guy who is a good locker room influence, who could be a good influence on Justin, who can work on off-the-field things together, on-the-field things together. It just makes total sense to get this done. And so... I don't blame uh, Ryan Pace so much because I think there has been a bit of hardball being played by A-Rob. I think he wants a little bit more money than perhaps the market right now says he should get because they're not factoring in the impact COVID has had. And and if I'm a, the, the guy's agent, I'm going to be saying the same thing. I don't care about COVID. He deserves X amount of money and he should be getting it. But at the same time, hopefully 
you know, A-Rob is going to look at Justin Fields and say, you know what, I want to hook up with this guy and and uh, for the rest of my career. And, and, and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are saying the same thing, and the agent is, is helping to make this happen. I feel in my heart that it will happen by July 15th. Yeah, I think the only kind of positive thing about that is just the fact that the Bears were interested in Kenny Galladay. So that mm-hmm. kind of meant that it was one of those that they know that they have to improve on. So I think that's that's very important. Look, it, it's been great having you on the show today, although it's so much that we've been able to talk about. It's There's so much going on, even though there's really not that much going on in terms of football <laughs> activity. But yeah. there's always something to talk about about the Bears. I know you guys have, have taken a, a little break as the off-season kind of comes on, but you have so much programming over on the Byron Network. Do you want to tell some of the people about some of the shows that you have coming up? Sure. Uh, well, the Barroom Network now has expanded. We're covering a lot of Chicago sports. We've got shows about the Chicago, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and, of course, our staple uh, uh, Chicago Bears programming. And uh, we covered the NFL draft. And we're going to be expanding and adding more things in the coming weeks. Uh, this week we've got uh, uh, a c- couple of shows on Monday night. Monday night is is our, our baseball night. Uh, we got a, a show on the Cubs called the Friendly Confines Podcast that's hosted by guys who have this knack of nailing down great interviews with guys like Bob Costas and political pundit George Will, who's a huge Cubs fan, and you name it. They 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 told me their trick, and so I'm going to try try to employ that for some of the other shows. Uh, but the Friendly Confines is for Cubs fans. And then the South Burbs Hitman is a fantastic show hosted by Joe Mandel, uh, 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 Stephen Zim Zimmerman, and uh, Joy, uh, uh, Chris Gonzalez. And now Vinny Parisi is a part of that show. Those four guys are ardent uh, Chicago White Sox fans, and they, they've got a show on Monday nights. So come on over on Monday nights if you're a Chicago baseball fan. And then I'll, I'll, uh, we've got a lot of other shows, but I'll promote one more uh uh, Dan Aguirre and myself, we do a show on Tuesday night, Tuesday night called Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. It's a lot of adult humor, so a lot of fart and penis jokes and <laughs> uh, a lot of talk about the bears. Uh, if you know Dan Aguirre, he's got this uh, incredible memory. You, you'll, you'll say, what did they run on third down and five uh, back in September 19, two, uh, 2001? <laughs> He he knows the play, you know. He's just a, a a great entertaining guy, and so we have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and that's on Tuesday night. Uh, but uh, uh, hopefully, you'll, uh, uh, your followers will go over to the Barroom Network and and just hit the the bell there, and they'll get updates whenever we're on the air with the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's always an interesting one to be able to watch, especially with all the different sports. It's been great to kind of see some of the some of the shows that you guys have been doing. Because look. I know from from an early stage, it was probably back in, I think it was Eddie Jackson's rookie season was when we start, st- first started to link up. And I know I, I, I wrote a few things for you guys and it was it was really good to have you guys on. You've gone through a big kind of transition, which is really interesting kind of to watch. It's look, it's it's been great having you on the show. We've had some of the guys on. They've been they've been excellent as well. <laughs> Just like Aldo said, make sure you do head over there. Make sure you do subscribe to their channel. If you're new here, because there's been a couple of new comments, uh, commenters that we haven't seen previously, make sure you do subscribe over to YouTube here because we've we've a lot of stuff coming up. Next Thursday, we will have kind of an NFL agent that will be coming on just to kind of talk about 
that side of things and what COVID meant for kind of, I, I guess, just what happened in the draft this year. So I know this particular agent, I know he covers, there's a couple of kind of guys from the Colts that he has. And then he has Felipe Franks who got, who was brought out from this current draft season. So that'll be a really interesting interview that's coming on Thursday. So make sure you do kind of stick with that. We will probably have another interview that Anthony will be doing uh, next Saturday as I will be away next Saturday. I'm actually taking a vacation for once. Um, <laughs> so, so yes, um, that will be, that'll be good, but we have loads kind of coming up. Make sure you do subscribe over to YouTube. This is always live on YouTube, Twitter, and over on Facebook. You can catch all the audio and wherever you find your audio, whether it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, anchor, all those, Look, it, it's been great having you on, Aldo. We'll definitely have you on again. It's it's always good being able to talk bears. Anthony, as usual, it's great having you guys on. Look, guys, make sure, like we said before, subscribe over to the Byron Network. Subscribe here. Get involved in all these kind of live shows that are coming up because it's always good to have all Bears fans on kind of together for once. And it's it, it's <laughs> really it's it's really, really good. Look, until next time, all we can say at the Irish Bears show is Bear down. Bear down. Go Irish Bear Show! <laughs> <laughs>